morning, everybody. <laughs> I think we are good. Uh, let's check and see our sound. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it looks like we got sound and everything. Good morning. Hi, welcome to a live edition of Critical Q and A for this Sunday, the eighth of November. Uh, let's see here. Let me just check real fast and see if. Oh, good. Now they are coming in. Excellent. Looks like I got to actually go live for the comments to start popping up there on the side chat there. And that's what I was testing before the show so desperately is because I was like, none of the none of the um, chat comments were showing up on the side of the screen, as you can see there, as they're rolling there. They weren't showing up before. And I was like, oh, God, because it's kind of important for this one, because you guys put all your questions and stuff in the comment section. So anyway, hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Um, love doing the shows at a time where I can catch my European friends. And uh, so glad we're able to do this here. Um, and there we go. Um, Tracy's are, oh yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, Chris is uh, already asking me about whether I want to touch on uh, Dave Miscavige's power play in, uh, in Clearwater. I, I think Tracy's article pretty much did it justice. I didn't actually even read the whole thing because I've been so swamped. Um, Dave's misadventures, David Miscavige's misadventures in Clearwater are of only mild interest to me at this time because <laughs> I'm so weighted down with, with the schoolwork. And this week especially, man, oh, God, was it distracting. I mean, the election and keeping tabs on what was happening every day and hitting reset, you know, F5 every few minutes. Oh, hey, thank you, Laurence. Thank you very much for that. Yay. Real time. Um, yes, I. Uh, this is a Q&A show. I want you guys to put your questions in the chat box as we are going here. Uh, the, uh, I guess the rules of the road is I will take them as best I can in order uh, as I'm going here. And if I miss one, just just put it back in and, and I'll, I'll get to it. I'm not cut and pasting um, Melissa's schedule, work schedules actually such that she works on Sundays now. And so uh, she was not able to be here for this. So, um, okay. Uh, oh, good. Thank you. I'm glad that you enjoyed my podcast this week. I was a little surprised actually um, at some of the negative responses to it because I thought we were talking, um, I, the, the podcast I posted yesterday was with a man named Tim Ward who's written, co-written a book about a pro-truth pledge in politics, media, you know, public figures, and uh, and I've I, you know I've signed it. I had uh, we talked about it a couple of years ago, brought it back up today, and um, yeah, so that's what's happening there. And then am I still looking into MLMs? Yes, I am. And uh, what happened was I had this pretty big project scheduled on the MLMs, and it's kind of doing this big take on it. I've interviewed a few people. I've read this whole book on it. There's a lot of stuff about MLMs that I now know, but I then got started in school. And that's the way my life tends to go is it's like I'm, I got this project and then it gets side railed and I got to get back to it. And, and that's where the metering video went. And that's where the tone scale video went. And that's where the MLM video went right now. So it's there. All this raw data is there. I might even end up using it in my studies. Um, I'm not sure yet in terms of what my research paper is going to focus on. I, I have a different topic in mind, but MLMs might also come up as a, as a research point. So definitely something I want to discuss in, in, in detail um, 
in the future, definitely, because MLMs are really just cults. That's all they are. They're just little business cults, and uh, and they're pretty gross, actually. Okay, uh, let's see if I can start uh, tackling some of these questions here. Um, how does the Sea Org protect itself from pirates? <laughs> there are pirates in this world? I'm not sure what that question means. I think that's a joke. Um, what's your opinion on First Amendment audits? Is it a social movement or just clickbait? I think it's just clickbait. Um, you know, if you show up, here's how I've seen these first. If I'm Raymond uh, Vanderstelt's asking, Stan, sorry, Vanderstelt's asking. Um, if you're referring to these videos where people go and sort of ambush public figures uh, at their work or in, in places of worship or at the store or something like that, or at their office, and they just show up with cameras and expect to be taken seriously and expect people to just go out of their way to bend over backwards to assist them in their First Amendment audit. You know, we're here to make sure freedom of speech is active. And you kind of go, dude, what are you doing, right? I mean, it's pretty intrusive. It's pretty ambush um, sort of tactics. And it's not really something I think is very productive. But that's only what I've seen of it. If there's more to it than you're referring to, or if I'm totally off base, then just let me know. Um, yes, I can definitely tell a bit about the election. Biden won. Now what? Okay, so... Um, the deal is that, uh, oh, hey, thanks, Zeb. Thank you very much for that. Um, the deal is that, uh, yeah, the um, the numbers are appear to be in but are not official. The electors have not voted. That happens, I believe, and um, they meet in December, do their official voting. I think it's either December 6th or 11th or somewhere around there. And then it has to get formally accepted by the House and the Senate, and then it's official. And it doesn't look like Trump is planning on doing any kind of a concession, which has been the tradition in every presidency I know of all the way back down the line. And they are going to contest and fight. And it appears that the um, basis of the uh, legal contests or, or uh, arguments against voting, uh, why certain ballots should be accepted, uh, was there voter fraud? It looks like all these cases, according to legal experts that I've been hearing on um, media, are all pretty baseless. And um, and I've got a lot to say about voter fraud. Uh, but basically, it's bullshit. You know, in terms of ballot stuffing types, vote type of voter fraud, just kind of ridiculous. So, um, so but you know, you can make a lot of noise about it. The mere hint or suggestion of voter fraud drives some people's you know heads to explode. But if you actually think about it and realize the amount of uh, objective third-party oversight and organization that goes into our voting process here in the United States, it's pretty much, and I would say this no matter what the results were, I really would, um, because I went with it in 2016, right? It's, um, it's, a, it's probably our most sacred right in the United States. And it is uh, so overseen and protected. Now, um, the way voter fraud happens, or the way voter manipulation, I should say, happens, is through gerrymandering, voter ID laws, district re you know, re redrawing the lines of districts and stuff. And um, and unfortunately, the Supreme Court gave the GOP a little bit of a uh, you know, attaboy, get get to it in giving them the ability to redraw uh, districts, gerrymander areas. And so I'm a little concerned about that in terms of the future, but I'm not concerned about voter fraud as such. So I'm, ex and the reason I'm going on about that is because I expect that 
Trump's challenges to this are going to be so much hot air. And um, really, it's just going to be kind of a noisy next couple months. And it really doesn't have to be. It's very sad that it is. Um, you know, you really don't want a petulant child in the White House, but that's what we've got. And so um, so that's what's happening right now. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so good. So there you go. Somali pirates are scared of the Sea Org. <laughs> um, okay, these are interesting questions. I'm just trying to take these as I go down the line. My, my strategy here, by the way, in terms of answering your questions is to just kind of try to go down the line. But if a super chat comes in with a question, I will... Take that at the top of the queue if I can. All right. So, Bert Pineapple asks, LRH thought electric charges could blow off body thetans. How did he get that idea as electroconvulsive therapy is very out ethics? Um, LRH got that idea because he was crazy and going senile. I mean, he was at that point in time when Hubbard asked for an e-meter to be made that basically would deliver an electric shock to his body that would, in effect, kill him. The person he asked to do that was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he and he reduced it way down. It only gave him a mild shock, but it was enough to shock him to reality that, hey, you, you know, you're going to kill yourself, if I remember the story right. And this is at a time when Hubbard was in hiding from the law, running from tax evasion and other uh, legal threats. Um, he was by himself with only a couple Sea Org members and a, you know, whatever sort of crew they might have had up there that they had been hiring that didn't know anything about Hubbard or any of that. And I don't know if they even did that or not, but they were up at this ranch up in Creston, California, hiding. And he was up there for years, either in his motorhome or at this, at this ranch. And he was just going nuts. He was just kind of, and it had already started. I mean, I believe the mental decline started in earnest in the 60s, actually. But um, but by the time, this, you know, the, I think he had a couple strokes. And um, and like I said, the pressures of being in hiding from the law, et cetera, um, losing his wife, you know, through the Guardian's office fiasco. Hubbard's mental state just deteriorated to a point where he was, you know, saying crappy, crazy stuff like, yeah, let's let's. let's Electric shock all of the body thetans out. And that's how that kind of happened. Uh, okay, Mammoth 1987. Uh, how are the studies going? Anything interesting there this week? Um, I'm actually catching up on the lecture for this week uh, today. And um, because this week was a real distraction. Um, but this week was the week that I watched The Vow, season one. I still have to watch the last episode, but I learned all about Nexium this week. And that was part of my studies. And um, it wasn't formally on the curriculum, but as a master's level, you get to kind of pick and choose a bit in terms of what you're studying and how you're going about it. And, um, and diving into Nexium has been fascinating. If you guys have not seen The Vow on HBO, it's worth seeing. Very, very good from a perspective of an individual cult member. Going in, waking up getting out, whistleblowing, the entire thing is shown all through season one. It doesn't get into the tech of Nexium, the organization of Nexium, all the little subgroups of it. It's very, the vow is the very personal story. And I look forward to watching Seduced, which is the more broad overview. But this is hard-hitting stuff and, and definitely worth watching. Uh, Laurence asks, uh, when you tell someone you're an ex-Scientologist, JW, etc., how should that person react? I feel like I wouldn't know what to say without messing up. Oh, good question. Um, and 
you know, the best way to respond to somebody who has been in a traumatic situation of any kind, especially a destructive cult situation, would be to simply just be understanding, be willing to listen, be non-judgmental. Um, the biggest mistake people make, and this is made routinely, is, oh, my God, you were involved in that? Or, oh, my God, that's a cult. Oh, how could you do that? Oh, you'd have to be stupid to do that. Wow, you must have been really stupid. You know, wow, you fell for that. I thought you were smarter. Like any of that crap is just cancel all that. That is bullshit. You do not want to be saying that stuff like that to people. Um, you would, you know, it's, it, you don't have to be on, on, treat them with kid gloves. You don't have to like freak out about it. It's an experience. It's a, it's a, it's an awful experience, but it's an experience people have. And they are usually willing to talk about it to some degree, but if they are not, if they indicate that they're not, then leave them alone about it. They're not ready to talk about it or they don't want to deal with it in a social setting. And that's no big deal. They're under no obligation to do so. Um, but if they are willing to talk about it, it can be some of the most interesting stuff you'll hear all day. I mean, there are some interesting stories there. And if people are willing to talk about it, it's cathartic for them. So let them do it. You know, you don't have to try to shut them down either or try to protect them. If, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously very context specific, but that's some general advice I can give on that. And I hope it's, I hope it's helpful. All right. See here. Uh, just want to cruise on down. Oh, Alex Trebek just passed away. Oh, that is sad. Uh, okay. They often tell me, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Um, oh, Dina asks me, "What ultimate degree are you striving for?" I am doing a master's program right now in the psychology of coercive control. And that's a year program. I'll be finishing it next, uh, I think September is when I finish and then December is when graduation happens. And I am considering a doctorate after that, um, but I want to sort of fit that in and sort of see how it, see, see how this master's fits and see what I can do with it. And if that opens up job opportunities or potential future, you know, uh, career path of some kind or or continuing with this endeavor, of course, and because uh, I really don't want to stop doing what I'm doing right now. So we'll see whether where it goes with that. But excuse me, I would, um, I'd very much uh, like to pursue eventually pursue a doctorate in uh, probably in, you know, in, in, in psychology of some kind, maybe either social psychology or, um, or cognitive psychology, I'm, I'm super interested in both. And, um, and of course, there's also neuropsychology, but I'm not going to go become a neuroscientist at this point. So anyway, that's kind of what's on my mind with that. Uh, okay, Tim Greenglass, serious question. Sea Org is a paramilitary thing. How would they handle hostile situations, I really wonder? Well, let me tell you, the riots in the 19, early 1990s, I was around um, in the Los Angeles area doing training when the Rodney King riots were going down. And, or I was around, I actually, I was in Santa Barbara at that time, but I had been down in LA back and forth during some civil unrest around that time period. And the response was that they do have weapons on the base. I'm talking about in Los Angeles at Big Blue. I'm not talking about up in San Jacinto or at Flag. I don't know what the deals are in those locations. I can tell you that San Jacinto is a gated property that is protected by a security force that is definitely armed if necessary, and they will protect that property with their lives. 
um, in terms of the pack base, pretty much same thing. Um, there, there were, there is a guard force, there a security force. They are trained, and they are not super trained. They're not like you know, para, you know, ex-military or something. They're just mostly a bunch of kids, but they are trained. They do EMT training, uh, paramedic training. They do ride-alongs with the LAPD. They do weapons training, and I think they do martial arts training. So, um, so the security force and the all hands crew that would be brought in, males, big guys, you know, um, would be, um, if there were truly a hostile or civil unrest situation, and like there has been, then the response would be to secure the base, secure the crew, um, you know, make, lock everything down and, uh, and keep everybody safe. You know, at the end of the day, they are interested in the safety of their people in situations like that. And they don't want anybody getting hurt. Um, you know, the Sea Org is not about being a bunch of tough hombres with big guns who are, you know, showing off. That's not it's not really the whole that's not really the culture of the Sea Org. But if um, if and when bad things go down, they do feel ready. And they're probably not. Honestly, you know, the, 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 um, the recipe for disaster is there and things could go very, very wrong, but, um, but they are serious about protecting their properties. I can, I can, I can speak to that. Okay. Let's see else what we got here. Uh, these are good questions so far. Um, oh yes. Uh, Sarah Matichuk is asking me, do you know any resources for someone who has a culty group in their past? Any ideas on what to ask when looking for a counselor? I grew up in a group that has been in the news some lately. Okay, Sarah, I hear you. And um, uh, there are, uh, as a general resource guide, I send people to ixahome.org, the International Cultic Studies Association's website. It's ixahome.org. And um, they have a resource list of therapists, counselors, and people in the uh, academic and professional fields who have some understanding of cults and what high-control authoritarian groups are about. Sometimes some of the academics in ICSA are a little too academic for my taste, but the therapists there do understand and have studied what it is to treat a, a, a trauma survivor of, uh, you know, from a cult. And, and it is a different and unique thing. So um, very, very related to, very similar to, um, same, almost same modeling as domestic abuse or interpersonal partner violence. So, um, so there's a lot of similarities in the treatment modalities and that sort of thing. And I can only speak a little bit to that. I'm not, not super genned in on, on all the treatment programs, but, um, but I know that's where I would go first and that's where I refer people to. Now, if you're in California or, um, you know, the United States, I suggest contacting Rachel Bernstein through her website. I think it's rachelbernsteintherapy.com or org. And, um, and if she doesn't, if she's not available to help you either online or in person, then she might also have uh, recommendations for you. So that's what I can give you on that. Jeff Scott's asking me, uh, you think Slappy is pissed that Trump did not get back in? Uh, yeah, I do. I do think that, that David Miscavige is probably pissed that Trump lost. Uh, Scientologists were pretty pro-Trump. They're generally conservative, as I've commented on in the past. I used to be heavy conservative as a Scientologist. Hubbard's political leanings tend toward what we would now, uh, I believe, uh, we, would, we would label as, as a 
libertarian slash conservative, old school conservative. You know, he grew up in the Midwest. Uh, he's pretty old school that way. Um, and uh, and that's reflected in all the Scientology materials and the lectures and the books and all that stuff. So, um, so also they were making inroads into the White House with these with this crew, right? The Trump White House was not the most competent crew of people, and um, I think anyone could agree with that if they're not in the cult, you know. Uh, fog of how great Trump is and how he could do no wrong. There were a lot of things that he did wrong, and that executive branch was a bit of a mess. And you could and you can rate that almost only by the 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 turnstiles method of employment that was going on there. Remember what was Scaramucci in there for like eleven days or something? So um, so there was a lot of opportunity for Scientology in that chaos and mess to make inroads into the Trump White House. And they did. Trish Duggan was there for photo ops. Um, there were other, what's her name? Um, Joy Davila, you know, other people were, were, were either getting noticed or were trying to get the notice of those, of those um, executive branch folks. So we watched that happen. Uh, nothing, it didn't seem like anything really solid or troubling uh, came up from that. And we'll see, you know, what else Scientology tries to do in the political sphere with the new administration. But they were they were definitely making some inroads with this one. I just can't speak to how deeply. It's not like I have inside knowledge on that. But that's what I was observing. Um, and a lot of Scientologists are going to be really pissed about this. There are some very, very pissed off Scientologists right now that Trump is is losing. Okay. Um, Yes, yes, that's right. As I understand it, Colorado is now a fully democratic uh, state in terms of House, Senate, and the governor. Yes, that is true. Um, oh, what does my shirt say? My shirt says, either you like bacon or you're wrong. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, which is a maxim I stand by. So, yeah. Okay, media made the decision. Um, yeah, the media did not make the decision. Let's be clear. They're calling numbers. Math and voters are who made the decision. And the final decision isn't final until, like we said, December, etc. Okay, good. I'm pretty far back, so I'm trying to catch up. I will try to give shorter answers here, see if I can catch up to where we are. Uh, okay. Software glitch, etc. Yes, I'm sure there will be lots of sorting out over the next month or two. Um, is it possible? Here's a good question. Uh, Armando ALCB, is it possible to be a Scientology without paying a cent? Like you can do in other churches, you can go and donations are only welcome, not mandatory. No, <laughs> no, that is not possible. Um, you can walk into a church of Scientology and they will try desperately to at minimum sell you a book, but they really want to sell you an introductory service like a course or some introductory auditing, and they are not going to be satisfied with you just, I mean, they will initially be satisfied with you just wandering around, watching their videos, you know, talking to them. But there's a certain point where they're like, okay, it's time to shit or get off the pot, basically. You need to give us money, get on service. And they will be pressuring for that. Um, Scientology is not, it is a pay-to-play religion. Let's put it that way. Um, oh, Mama Atheist, hey. 
Many current practical uses not considered unethical. No, it's considered unethical by Scientology. Um, ECT is uh, is absolutely verboten in the world of Scientology. Let's be. Um, that was what, what the questioner was asking there. Okay, uh, loved your recent video about the Truth Pledge. Oh, good. Thank you, Shimoda. Um, yeah, exactly. What's true for you? Okay, you won't give our Scientology if you don't pay them. That is correct. Ah, hey, Steve. Welcome to the show. All right. Question. Do you think it's now time for the Democrats to start implementing methods to communicate with extreme Trump supporters in the same way one would communicate with people who are in cults? Yes. Yes, JC Gonzo, I do. And that is a one-on-one -on -one personal communication. That is not something you do over the internet with all caps and screaming at people. But we have got to start building bridges. And I am trying to walk the walk as well as talk the talk here. I am in touch with people who are absolutely, um, you know, extreme Trump supporters and people who have been on that end of the uh, aisle. And I'm trying to reach across the bridge and I'm trying to be patient and kind and just listen. And that is what you have to do. He's got to listen more than talk. You know, we all feel so righteous in our political views. And um, and if we ever expect to change hearts and minds, then we have to be tolerant and understanding of other people's views as, you know, horrible as you might think they are. And I'm not talking about cozying up with Nazis. I mean, come on, you know, I'm not talking about making nice with people who are trying to kill you. I, I, but that is far from the majority of these people. They are not all right wing, you know, Hitler saluting scumbags. They aren't. And, uh, and the more you think they are, the longer the country will be divided. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I really want us to, to be the better people here and step up and, and try to unite this country again, because we've got to. And that also has a lot to do, by the way, with getting off social media. Uh, we've really got to tamper down our social media time because it is destroying us. And, if, and watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix if you have any questions about why I would say something like that. All right. Uh, good. So, uh, Dave, nice people in the org in Adelaide. Yes. Good. Thank you. You're welcome, David. Thank you. Oh, hey, thanks, Robert. Okay. Um, yes, Robert Roberts is saying, if you're studying MLMs, I'd like to email you. Please do. I'd love to hear your experience with that. Yeah, Amway was just one of the worst. Um, okay, Jeff's saying, do you think Slappy is pissed that Trump did not get back in, or do they vote? Yeah, no, they vote. They definitely vote. And um, I've actually talked about that. I, that might even be a critical clip or two about it. I, Scientologists do vote. And Sea Org are told who to vote for. They are told who the friendly to the Scientology movement politicians, local council people. So from local all the way to national, Sea Org members are briefed by the Office of Special Affairs on who to vote for, and then they go vote accordingly. Now, the Sea Org doesn't follow them into the voting booth. You are, you know, at the end of the day, you can vote for who you want to. But in that culture and environment, when you are told by OSA, who is friendly to the church, those are the people you're going to be voting for. So that's kind of how that works. Uh, oh, Dr. Shelton, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, um, so let's see here. Um, Burnt as a witch. Okay, a couple YouTubers also therapists. Yes, all right, most interesting. Do you think, oh yes, okay, great. Blank Bullet asks me, do you think, let me get a little drink here. <laughs> Talking at a mad rate. 
Uh, Blank Bullet says, do you think that the Nexium verdict will influence further litigation against Scientology? I hope so. Um, I really, really hope so. The key difference, and this is a huge one, between Nexium and Scientology is that the Church of Scientology is a church. It is a recognized religion and therefore has First Amendment protections and privilege. Nexium didn't. Nexium was a business cult. And Ranieri stole so much stuff from Hubbard, but he kept it a business consultation, personal life coaching kind of cult. So when they came for him, he didn't have, he had consent as a defense. These women consented to be branded, to have sex with me, to be part of my inner circle. There wasn't any coercion here. I I didn't force them to do this. It was his defense, but he did not have a religious defense. And the practice of religion in the United States is so, they're so crazy about it that they will not go in and and judge religious activity, uh, even if it's of an abusive nature, right? Because, of course, you know, nobody would ever get through a monastery if they uh, were judged that way. So there's, you know, so it's always context specific. But I'm just telling you that was a big, big, big difference in these two groups. However, However, I am positive that David Miscavige was watching that Nexium case uh, very, very closely, and I am positive that David Miscavige is not at all happy about where Keith Ranieri is now or what happened to him and his enablers. Nancy Salzman, uh, I think that her daughter, I think it's Linda Salzman, but a couple other people are also awaiting sentencing. Excuse me. So, um, so there's more than just Keith going to jail with that one. So I'm hoping that that will help. I would like to see that case help move the ball down the road in the United States towards getting a coercive control law passed, similar to what we've got in the UK. Uh, Okay. Preacher1138 asks, is it true Keith Ranieri was upset that people pointed out he ripped off Scientology? Did he think running a sex cult was more ethical than Scientology. Uh, Yes, Keith Ranieri was upset when people would uh, make comparisons between what he was doing in Scientology. At least I saw one or two comments about that. I think I saw him comment on it one point during the vow. Um, You know, and that's that's just par for the course. You know, of course, everything he did uh, was perfect and wonderful. And he was the vanguard. He was he was source. He was the you know, he was the one who was uh, coming up with all the good ideas. Right. But of course, he was not. Oh, hey, Italy. Hello. Um, Okay, how much in the movie? The master was true life. Uh, All of it. (laughs) <laughs> and I did a full review. I did a long movie review of The Master and made many comparisons and contrasts with the actual Church of Scientology and its history. So please check out that video. It's in my, um, it's on my channel. You can search for it. Uh, it's my review of The Master. And The Master is 100% pure Scientology. Uh, regardless of what Paul Thomas Anderson and everybody else had to say about it, that movie was brilliantly displaying Scientology. Uh, okay, let's see here. Do I think Trump has overts against China? <laughs> oh, yes. Trump does, interestingly, have a lot of the characteristics of an SP. He does. But I don't, you know, I, uh, Hubbard was really describing himself when he was describing a suppressive person. Let's be honest. 
Uh, okay, plan to visit the Oregon Hollywood with your T-shirt. Yeah, they're going to kick you right out, Jeff. <laughs> hey, France. Um, oh, that's good to know. Under the Silver Lake. Tim Greenglass is telling me that the director of It Follows uh, made a second film, Under the Silver Lake. I'm going to have to check that out. Okay, Shimoda, question. Uh, oh, it, this is really nice, by the way. If you guys could put question in your comment there in all caps like Shimoda did, that'd be awesome. It helps me find them quick, more quickly. Uh, it says here, Chris, you've said that Scientology is super homophobic, but what are their views on other LGBT plus groups? Do they say bisexuals should go straight? What do they think of asexuals, trans people? Oh, yeah, all of it. All of it. There, it's not just homosexuals that Scientologists have a problem with. It's anything that's not vanilla, straight, conservative, leave it to beaver style living. That's, you know, that's where they're at. I mean, individual Scientologists are all over the place on, the, on, on their views on stuff. But as a group, as a whole, and dogmatically, okay, please keep in mind that when I'm talking about Scientology, most of the time I'm talking from the point of view of the dogma of the of the literature, not necessarily, you know, individual Scientologists who you will always find exceptions to these rules. But generally speaking, Scientology has a, the, the, the literature, the belief set is very, very, very specific that anything, any kind of perverted activity, according to L. Ron Hubbard, right, perverted from 1950s, when he's writing this stuff, any kind of um, uh, trans activity, anything like you've like you've laid out here, bisexual, transsexual, homosexual, asexual, all of it is a mental aberration. It's a mental illness or disease. It can only be dealt with using Dianetics and Scientology. And I've actually described in some detail in other videos. Um, what they do. They're going after, you know, they, there's different ways they go about it. Okay. Um, oh, nice question. CNC97 asks, while too early for any real speculation, any rough ideas on what will happen to the Republican Party after Trump goes on the on January 20th, would they keep him in? Um, I don't think Trump's going to have a whole lot more political aspirations after this. I think he's going to kind of fade away politically. I don't think he's going to try to come back in 2024. Um, I think he's going to try to do a reality show again. Uh, and I think he's going to be facing a lot of legal consequences. And I don't and I'm pretty sure the GOP is going to want to uh, distance themselves from him because of those legal cases. Now, I'm I'm you know, I can only predict on the data I've got. And that's the and the data that I have is that Southern District New York is really hot to get Trump in the hot seat uh, on some financial shenanigans he's been involved with for years. He'd already had his nonprofit shut down because it was shown he was fraudulently using it as a, you know, uh, a money box and uh, various other things. So, um, I mean, it's it's pretty bad, the, the, the crap Trump has gotten away with. And um, and there are legal consequences for some of that stuff that that are that are hanging fire right now so we'll see what happens there is also the matter of over 20 women who have accused him of sexual assault and those cases didn't just go away over the last four years they're still sitting there and those have to be dealt with as well so um so that's that's pretty that's pretty bad okay shimoda my question didn't send oh there we go okay good uh chris you've said that scientology okay good i just answered that one 
How clear is Clearwater? Not very, Jonathan. <laughs> um, the woke also need to try and change. Yes, please, tell me about it. Uh, I have been trying very hard to, to get that across. Oh, thank you, Preacher. Thank you for that uh, KSW uh, donation there. Okay, so do Scientologists believe that they can sway elections like they can move hurricanes from hitting the Gulf Coast? Yes, they absolutely do. And there are a lot of very disappointed Scientologists right now who did not get the result of their positive postulate for Trump to get reelected. Um, and if I'm grinning about that, it's only because I just can't believe I used to think that stuff was true, but I did. Uh, it's, po it's power of positive thinking, uh, secret kind of stuff. That's that's what that is. Okay, um, have I watched the documentary "The Brainwashing of My Dad"? No, I have not. I've heard about it, but I have not watched it. Our um, Smith would how you voted would come out in auditing, and what would the fallout be? Um, Probably would, I mean, there wouldn't really be any fallout from how you voted, you know, and it's not, nobody in Scientology is really going to like, I mean, unless, the, the reason it would come up in auditing is if you felt bad for some reason about your vote. Um, and if it were to come up and, you know, I mean, the auditor, and, and again, the individual Scientologist isn't going to get a big ration of shit for not voting for Trump. It's not like organizationally, you know, David Miscavige ordered that everybody who didn't vote for Trump get sex checked or something. It's not it's not that organized um, in terms of its in terms of how they deal with politics and stuff. It's more of a cultural thing. You know, it's it's peer pressure and and the and the the, the general, you know, um, the, the you know the 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 majority view sorry of Scientologists culturally is a conservative view, but that doesn't mean you won't find vegetarian tree hugging totally far left Scientologists. You do you will you do, so you know they are all over the place that way. Um, on the master, how about how they had the young messengers? Oh yeah yeah yeah, that was a good movie. Okay. Um, Oh, God, yes, ex-Scientologist is asking me, have I seen, have you seen the talking gargoyle and Blucifer the Mustang at the Denver airport or know of any of the conspiracy references there? Yes, I do, and I can't stop laughing about it. We have this terrifying, towering, like two-story tall blue statue of a horse with fiery red eyes posted uh, right outside our airport, the Denver International Airport, when you drive into the airport before you hit the parking lot, there's Blucifer. And the scary thing about Blucifer is Blucifer killed its maker. The guy who created this statue died because the statue fell on him. So it's cursed. But there it is, right outside our airport. And there are a lot of um, uh, very funny conspiracy theories about how the Denver airport has a tunnel system built underneath it where bigwigs and the Illuminati and such can meet. And this is a big conspiracy theory, so much so, much so that the Denver airport is remodeling and using that conspiracy theory. And they're promoting it and talking about, jokingly, how they're expanding the tunnels under the, under the airport, you know, for part of the conspiracy. So they've been having kind of fun with it. And it's, it's been kind of funny. Okay. Um, 
Okay, that is fine. Do I think Trump will be sent to jail? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, you know, he is Teflon Don. It's hard to say. I do, but let me say this. Uh, so I'm super, super clear about one thing that I think is important. Um, I do not want Donald Trump going to jail for anything he did as the president of the United States. I want to be super clear about that. And neither should you. Because if we set that precedent, we open that door, there will be nothing but regrets for every term following, every president following. We do not want any of that. We don't want any part of it. Um, however, Donald Trump was committing crimes uh, and financial shenanigans um, long before he was president and during the course of his time as president and will continue after he leaves. Those are the things that he should be gone after. Okay, so I just wanted to put that out there because I think that that is, um, I think that's an important differentiation to make because it's not, it should not be at all any kind, it should not have anything to do with politics as to why Donald Trump should be prosecuted. Um, and I would, I would, uh, I would, I would work very hard to make sure that that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Okay. Um, I'm going to be prosecuted. Yes. Uh, Shimoda asks, have you ever heard of the religion slash belief of talkatism, massage, meditation, and staring at bowls of water? Strange, and some think of it as a cult. I'm not sure it has the control thing. I've not heard of it, so I can't really comment other than uh, your comment, your question is the first time I've heard of Takatism. Um, there's just so many of these groups out there. But use Lifton's points. Look up eight, eight, the Lifton's Eight Points of Thought Reform. There's a Wikipedia page about it. And compare the group to those activities, and that'll tell you right away whether you've got high control going on or not. Uh, okay. Yes, Steve, I will answer your question next week. This one, I just answer the questions that come in on the comments when I'm doing it live. So if you want to ask me, you know, in the comments here, but um, otherwise, Steve, I will get to your question next week. Okay. Um, do I think that L. Ron Hubbard was a kitty fiddler? Oh, Jeff Scott's asking me. No. In other words, do I think, um, I understand from what you're asking me there that do I think he was a child molester? And no, I, there is no evidence that, that Hubbard was a child molester that I have seen. And there is um, direct evidence, testimony from young, the, those young girls who, were, who grew up under Hubbard. Uh, more than one of them have said outright and, and very forthrightly, he never touched them. It was never anything like that. Um, I think Hubbard kind of got a bit asexual in his later years. I don't think he was really very interested in sex or, or any kind of sexual activity in his later years. He was a total dog as a younger man all the way up until his 50s. But come 1960s, 70s, 80s, I, there's not a lot of, of evidence that I've seen for, for Hubbard's uh, sexual peccadilloes. Um, yeah, okay, good. Um, I am not going to do a video on Chick Corea. Um, I don't see any reason to, but Chick Corea is definitely a very famous and very long-term, highest-level Scientologist. Uh, he's also apparently one of the best jazz musicians on the planet. I hate jazz, so and I hope I'm not alienating anybody by saying that, but I literally hate jazz. I don't dislike jazz. I hate it. I can't listen to it. It drives me crazy. 
Um, however, I will say that I appreciate the aesthetics of it. I'm not saying people who like jazz are horrible people. I'm just saying I can't, I can't stand it. Uh, and if I made a Chick Korea video, I'd have to listen to a lot of jazz, see? So that's why I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, okay, is there any chance the electorate votes Trump in again despite everything in December? I hope not. I don't think so. I don't think that's really happening. Um, yeah, Chick Korea is very heavy pro-Scientology. Uh, okay, Frank Frazetta, art prints being sold by the church. Oh, yeah, okay, the Frazetta connection. Frank Frazetta was hired by Author Services. Um, the question here is, I've heard mention of Frank Frazetta art prints being sold by the church. Was Frazetta a Scientologist? No, he was not. He was hired by uh, uh, Author Services, uh, Inc., which is Hubbard's literary agent. They handle all of Hubbard's non-fiction, or sorry, fiction writings, all of his stories and pulp fiction and all that, Battlefield Earth, Mission Earth, all of his fiction works. Um, and they hired Frazetta to do artwork for Battlefield Earth. And that's how you see those prints. And that's what that was about. They tried to do a uh, investment scam where they got these prints made of, of all this artwork that was done for Mission Earth and Battlefield Earth, and all of that art has depreciated horribly. They were selling it at grossly inflated prices, and a bunch of Scientologists bought into it, and it was a whole little scam within Scientology. And that was going on in the 80s and uh, into the early 90s, I think, before everybody caught on to the fact that these prints were not increasing in value. Uh, okay. Yes. Okay, good. Shame. I hate jazz. I know. I know. I know. I'm a horrible person. It's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Nick Raleigh asks, question, how do Scientologists feel about sacrificing one dynamic for another, especially related to altruism? Is it worth sacrificing your own money, first dynamic? For the group, third dynamic. Yes, Nick, that in fact is the equation of Scientology. When you become a Scientologist, and actually I maybe I should broaden that a little bit because I can, I can pretty confidently say that that's the equation of any destructive cult. Okay, here's the... the one way of looking at the, the cult relationship or cult model or what goes on with cults is that the cult becomes all-consuming. It doesn't matter what the group is. It doesn't matter what its belief set is. It doesn't matter what it's doing. It becomes an all-consuming thing for a person. This group, this activity is more important than anything else going on. So the equation becomes the group goes to the top of the pyramid, and everything else falls below it in terms of priority or importance. The group is all, the individual, nothing, right? And, and even if, like in the case of Scientology, Hubbard actually writes, like in keeping Scientology working, that that's not a good thing, that the group shouldn't be all and the individual nothing, the culture of Scientology ensures that the group is all and the individual is nothing. You are constantly being sold, being pushed, being recruited uh, with the view and, and being told very blatantly, Scientology is the most important thing in the universe. There isn't anything else. This is the time. This is the place. We got to make this happen. And so you put everything else on the back burner 
And this is the thing you need to be focusing and concentrating on. And even if you don't personally buy into it, this is still the cultural pressure that's being exerted against you all the time in that group. That's part of the package of a destructive cult. So, uh, so yes, very much so. You know, they definitely put the uh, the church ahead of everything else. Uh, let's see here. What do you hate more, jazz or Scientology? <laughs> jazz. <laughs> Because I don't hate Scientology. I understand Scientology. I don't. I don't understand jazz. Uh, Scientology. I understand. I don't have a. I don't have hatred towards Scientology. I. I have hatred towards <sighs> extremism. I don't like extremism. I don't like the fact that we are susceptible to it. That we're prone to it. In fact, I really. I, I really hate that. Okay. Uh, yes. Are you working on another book? I will, Lawrence. I will be. Yes. I've got a few in the pipeline. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've also got some backlog video projects I need to get done. My plan is, and I and I tell you guys this stuff, and then I end up eating my words, but I'm just telling you, I'm trying to be honest with you guys as I go on this stuff. Um, my plan is to finish my master's, get a book pushed out. Okay, uh, either on human rights, RPF, maybe I'll get that one done, or um, maybe something else with cults, maybe cult recovery. There's a few different books I can, uh, I've got outlined that I want to do. And, um, and then maybe pursue that doctorate and also get these backlog video projects done. So never enough time, I swear, it just isn't. But uh, that's what I'm working on. Uh, Ex-Scientologist asks me, do you still use the admin tech? Uh, about using goals, programs, projects in your life. Uh, no, not at all. I didn't use it when I was in. I don't know about you, uh, but most people I knew hated the admin scale. I hated that stuff. Remember how many workshops and seminars professional FSMs would do, right? Trying to explain the admin scale and how to make it work for you and how to sort out your life. It's the scale of of things, it's a little hard to to explain from scratch, but basically it was an organizing system Hubbard put together to sort of line up your purposes and and activities so that you were, uh, you know, everything in your life was kind of aligned to getting what you want done, done. And uh, this administrative scale was sort of a way to do that, but it was very confusing and very complicated and and very involved. Pages and pages and pages of writing and stuff, figuring stuff out. And most Scientologists just, you know, if they if they did a weekend seminar on it, they would uh, take all the paper, stick it in their desk drawer, and promptly never look at it again. You know, this kind of thing. So, no, I never I never use that stuff then or now. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, I did not know that Scientology tried to get David Bowie in through his, his piano player. No, that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, let's see here. Chris, uh, do you speak any other languages other than Spanish? Shimoda asks me. Uh, Espanol? Muy pequeño? <laughs> very, very little. Uh, Spanish. I do. I did take a couple of years of Spanish, and uh, I, that's, that's that. Oh, I, I might be to the bottom of the... Ooh, okay, good. I think I caught up. Um, and Nick Raleigh asks, if the third dynamic is above the first, shouldn't Scientologists be more socially liberal? Aren't social welfare groups putting the third dynamic above individuals? Oh, yeah. Uh, Scientologists do think that they're socially aware. 
I mean, for the most part, but um, you get, again, you get a full spectrum. That's not, uh, let me be clear in everything I was just saying there, it's not, it's not the third dynamic above all others. It's Scientology above all others. It's a very specific third dynamic, okay? So first dynamic is self. Second dynamic is sex, family, kids. Third dynamic is groups. You surviving in terms of or through groups, groups you're part of. But uh, the third dynamic that is most important as a Scientologist is Scientology. So that's what you're putting at the top of the pyramid in terms of what I was talking about earlier. It's not the group above all, it's Scientology above all. Um, the same would hold true for any cult member in their, in their cult. Um, but yes, Scientologists are, um, you know, they do consider themselves to be socially aware, socially liberal. I mean, some are, you know, um, depends on the, on the individual you're talking to. Again, I, I'm only speaking in broad strokes. Uh, and then Shimoda asks, oh yeah, I hated the admin scale. See, I knew it. I knew it because <laughs> we all did. I, we all hated that crap. Uh, I dealt with more people in cramming on that goddamn admin scale. Uh, Shimoda asks, can I get a signed copy of your book? Would you like to buy one for my mom for Christmas? She grew up in East Grinstead, saw Scientologists walking with signs, saying don't talk to me, I'm being programmed. Yes, uh, I will absolutely be more than happy to send you a signed copy of my book if you pay for it. Uh, and you can email me at askchrisshelton at gmail.com and we can make arrangements in terms of getting your address to me and I will uh, sign a copy for her and, and ship it off to you. Um, but you got to pay for the book and you got to pay for shipping. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, Ex-Scientologist asks me, have you heard of Denver's new STAR pilot program that recognizes that a mental health worker and a paramedic may be better suited to respond to some 9-11 calls than police? I have heard of that, and I am very, very happy about it. If we can get an emergency response team or emergency response layout set up, like an organize, you know, like a like a network set up where it's not just police that are that are first responders to 9/11 calls, as appropriate to the nature of the call, of course, right? You do not ever want to have just a psych or a so you know go out to a domestic violence call, for example. Right, you gotta have some protection there because domestic violence is is absolutely the worst. But wouldn't it be great to have a policeman and a psychologist or a trauma specialist or intervention specialist go out with them to deal with that domestic violence situation? Yes, that's great. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Mental health issues. These things are, uh, you know, we can only expect so much from our cops. Realistically, you know, I outlined in a in a video of pretty extensive ideas of, I had about how to revise cop training, and um, and mine were just, you know, kind of silly ideas compared to what real professionals have put together in terms of how cops should be trained. But to expect them to be jacks of all trade when it comes to mental health, fire, uh, violence. Uh, de-escalation, everything else. I mean, you know, it would be good to get the work spread out amongst other social emergency responders. Um, so I would love to see more of that. Okay. What do you think? Oh, here we go. Okay. Dr. Kadar Adonai Tuskiki. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. What do you think of American cultism, imperialism, 
Rigged election system. Have you heard of Project Mockingbird? Was Barbara Bush a relative of Aleister Crowley? Wow. Well, there's way too much for me to address uh, very easily there, but um, I do not believe America is a cult. So, um, and I don't particularly think of American as an, as an empire or imperialism either. Um, I addressed the question of rigged election systems earlier in this in this show, uh, so you can check out what I was saying earlier about that. And uh, I have no idea if Barbara Bush was a relative of Aleister Crowley. That's funny. Uh, okay, conservative is bad, liberalism is good. Yeah, Hubbard said a lot of things in Science of Survival. He also said that uh, uh, homosexuality is a mental illness. Hubbard, you got to understand the contradictory nature of destructive cults and their dogma, okay? You will find all kinds of contradictory statements in the writings and words of L. Ron Hubbard. So, yeah, I'm a classic liberal. But then he, then he, spends, then he goes into a whole tirade about how no one should ever pay taxes ever for under any reason. And he never did. And he never wanted to. And he was a tax evader. I mean, shades of libertarianism there, as far as I can tell, or deep, deep conservatism to the point where, you know, I don't know what it's what you would call it. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I, you know, there's a lot to say there, but it's, you know, you will you can find you can pull out individual things and go, well, yeah, but he said this. Yeah. And he also said this and this and this. And that's part of the that's part of the problem, right, is the inconsistency, the hypocrisy, even that that cult leaders will say or do in the course of being cult leaders. Uh, it's, it's crazy making drives you nuts. Excuse me. Drives you nuts. OK. Um, have I seen Plato's Republic? I have not. I have not had a chance to read that yet, so I cannot give you any summary version of my take on it. <laughs> All right, we're going to move toward wrapping up pretty soon, but I, I'm glad I caught up. I think I've caught up with everything. Um, the possibility that Barbara Bush was Crowley's daughter. Wow. That would be interesting. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, interesting coincidence more than anything else. But, uh, huh. I do not use Streamlabs for donations. I thought it might be a little too confusing. I just use the Super Chat on YouTube here. I tried to keep it simple. And then I also have a PayPal link and the Patreon link in the show in the description section to this video and to all my videos. I'm trying to keep the channels simple in terms of, of ability to give me money for things or help me out. Um, so those are the channels that I use for that. Okay. Um, maybe I should... Uh, um, throw a Streamlabs donation thing in there too, but I thought, like I said, I thought it might be a little confusing. Um, all the POTUS are related to King John. Most politicians in America belong to a lodge Masonic order. That's a cult. It's a cult, but it's not necessarily a destructive cult. Okay. Um, well, I do a review on the video on the, on the social dilemma. That's a good idea. Wow, that's a good idea, JC. I hadn't thought about doing that. I'm going to note that down. I should do that. Okay, good. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Kadar does sound a little conspiracy-minded. 
Okay, good. Uh, Chris, I'd love to hear, Blank Bullet says, Chris, I'd love to hear your take on why people follow narcissistic leaders such as David Miscavige or Trump. Um, there are a multiplicity of reasons. There are a lot of reasons why. Um, almost almost as individual as each individual person to, to a degree. But in general terms, there are many, many people in the world who have a worldview or mindset of the follower. And they are not necessarily educated in how to be good followers or to understand what a good leader is. This is something we miss in our educational system. We learn about bad leaders uh, throughout history, bad military situations, bad wars, etc. But we don't necessarily learn the psychological characteristics or red flags to watch for uh, that, that lead to coercive control. That, that lead to situations where people find themselves in a cult milieu all of a sudden, oh, I gotta get here. Because nobody willingly, knowingly walks into such a situation. There is not one person ever, not ever, who knowingly joined a destructive cult with the idea that they wanted to be abused and, you know, and, and bankrupted and, and everything else. So, um, so but, but you have, you know, we have social hierarchies. We, that is how we are built. We, we can't avoid it. It's, it's, it's intrinsically in our very DNA to line up and rank and order and to create those categories if they are not evident already. We just automatically do it. We can't help ourselves. So there are always leaders and followers. And there tend to be organically, as nature should kind of have it, with these kind of systems, there tend to be a lot more people who are in a follower kind of mindset than they are in a leader kind of mindset. It's not like everybody has, you know, equal uh, skill set in this in this regard. And so um, so they naturally line up there and then find out too late that they are following somebody who has been lying to them the entire time, right? And they bought into the lies. And they they wanted to believe it. Maybe they didn't want to believe it. Maybe they were cajoled into believing it. Maybe they were coerced into believing it, but somehow they fall in, into it. And when they wake up and realize, oh, my God, you know, sometimes it's too late. Sometimes there have been consequences before they can get out. But that's basically how it works. Excuse me. Uh, let's see here. Okay. People follow our dogs, marry cats. Okay, whatever. After wearing a mask, would you have called me a conspiracy theorist? <laughs> Uh, did you watch The Vow? Yeah, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, Jew Martins asked me about The Vow. I talked about it extensively at the beginning of the show here. Yeah, check it out. I also talked about it uh, even more in, um, I think, the Critical Conversation show we did this week. So you can check that one out as well. Okay, good. Yes, please do upvote my videos and share them. I would love to grow this channel, and I need your guys' help to do that. All right, I think uh, we should go ahead and wrap up. Thanks for coming around, guys. Thanks for all of your questions. I was getting a beautiful, wonderful, steady stream of them as we were going here. Thank you very much for your super chats and your support. Really, really need it right now. Really helpful, and thank you for that. I am happier right now than I've been in a really long time because of these election results. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, you know, beat around the bush on that. I am really, really happy. And, 
um, the newness of it and the, and the excitement of it is still kind of setting in. But um, in many ways, for me, it was kind of like leaving Scientology all over again, uh, hearing the results of all of this over the last two days. It's been um, it's been a really big, big, big deal. I hope you guys will check out the podcast I put up yesterday. I thought it was great. I thought we had a great conversation and we got into some psychological stuff that I've never summarized or talked about the way we did in that in that discussion. And I was very happy with it. So I really, really hope you guys will check that out. And um, and school will continue in this next week. I will be learning about terrorism this week. So that'll be kind of fun. And um, I mean, not, but, you know, interesting stuff. Uh, so I'm sure I'll have some more things to share with you guys next week. And uh, next week, we will not be doing uh, any other live shows, just the critical conversations on Friday. So I hope you guys can join me for that. And hopefully, Melissa will be feeling better and we'll be back on board for that next week. Uh, all right, guys. See you soon.